we have schools that are essentially allowed to be at 100%, but how are students doing? Throughout the pandemic, we've been lucky enough to speak with Dr. Prachi Srivastava, who's an associate professor at Western University specializing in education and global development to kind of follow how things have been going. Dr. Srivastava, great to have you back on the show. How are you? I'm okay. It's great to be back, Mike. When we look at the fact that there were some concerns uh, about kids going back to school, overall, everything seems to be ticking along at the moment. How do you feel everything is going in schools now? Are, are we still in a, a hesitant phase, or, or are, we, uh, are we getting into a groove? I mean, there are a few things that have happened, I think, contextually that, that really do matter and bear repeating. Uh, we don't have data on infections at the school level because that was suspended by the government as of January 2022. 20, uh, um, that doesn't mean that there aren't infections. In fact, uh, there are infections that are being reported by individual schools to their school populations. It's just that we no longer have public access to those data, so we don't really know what the extent is across schools. I don't mean to fear monger because I think the, the bigger question really is about how we go forward from here in terms of thinking about education, continuity, and recovery. Um, the, the losses that we saw in terms of the education losses, in terms of the social development losses, those don't just go away. They will, of course, be uh, mitigated by continuous provision, and we hope that we're in a situation where the kinds of school closures we saw in Ontario, the 28 weeks that we've already experienced from March 2020 until now, again, the longest in Canada and in North America, really, um, you know, we can't sustain that. So we're hoping that we don't see that again. But that does not mean that the losses that were incurred were not real or that they were just magically going to disappear. The modeling studies and, and, and empirical studies are coming out to show that those losses were real, that the, that the economic effects, the social effects within families are real, the psychological effects are real, the social development effects are real. And don't, don't, those don't just go away without actually having a proper continuity and recovery plan. And that's where we should really be focusing, but I don't see that right now. We're talking with Dr. Prachi Srivastava. When you say losses, what's, what's kind of at the root of the losses that you're talking about? Well, there's two things. Firstly, we just published a, a preprint of a paper uh, which actually looked at all of the school infections in Ontario for 2020-21 school year because that was the, school, the year that we've had the most complete data and we found that schools in marginalized areas uh, had higher cumulative incidence of school infections in elementary schools than schools in other areas. What that actually means, if you really want to think about what that means, is that they would have faced more disruption, relatively more disruption, more students that would have been excluded, more classrooms that would have been isolated, and also, more likely, there would have been more school closures. We don't know because the school closure data were never made public. We actually don't know that. But we can assume. So at the root of any losses or harms, let's not think about it in terms of losses but harms, 
at the root of any such harm is is disruption and we know that we've had that disruption so when we are when we start thinking about relative disruption we then also have to understand that the disruption doesn't affect all the schools in the same way it doesn't affect all our social groups in the same way it doesn't affect all children in the same way there are going to be students and schools that are worse off than others and those are the kinds of issues that we should really be looking at on a very concrete level we still should be thinking about the fact that a child that enters in grade 5 in September of 22 would really have undergone disruption since grade 2 that's not made up and it doesn't just go away we have to understand that there's a continuous progression within education that we should be thinking about how do we infuse those skills within the curriculum and how do we provide the support that's really required by families and by children so that they can go through the system in a way that is better supported than just hoping for the best and continuing as business as usual Dr. Prachis Ravastava joining us, Associate Professor, Western University, specializing in education and global development. And you mentioned grade two and grade five and, and the tie-in there. <laughs> Students who started having disruptions in school in grade two are now in grade five. If we pointed that to grade seven, they're now in grade nine. If we point that to grade ten, they're now first year of post-secondary. You can take it to kindergarten and move yes. it forward. Dr. Sravastava, would there be an age group or several age groups that maybe might be impacted more given what developments arise both socially and academically? Yeah, so the the literature that's coming out uh internationally and in systems similar to ours show that uh the students that were in the earlier years in March of 2020 when the pandemic started, the students that were in the earlier years, if we're just thinking about grade level, they would be uh, more affected than 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 students in 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 later years because of the fact that they have fewer reserves to draw on, right? They they would have just been emerging learners they maybe it was just their first year or their second year they would have just started to learn how to write their name right so they have fewer reserves and we're seeing that in 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 literature that's coming out but if we're looking within a grade levels so that would be across the board if you're looking in within grade levels then then students that already had existing vulnerabilities existing um socioeconomic uh, disadvantages they will be worse off So when and now we know from the infection analysis that we did that schools that were in more marginalized areas they will be worse off. So there will be an effect across the cohort, but you really have to ask yourself if we're looking at grade level, then most likely the children in the younger years would have had they as relative, you know, the amount of time that they've been in school, uh they would have maybe 100% of that school year of their experience in school has been disrupted if that child is now only in grade 2 right so we really have to understand that and we have to also understand that grade levels it would be younger years schools if we're looking across communities it would be schools in marginalized communities and if we're looking within schools it's the it's the students that are coming from disadvantaged backgrounds and who also have existing vulnerabilities or new vulnerabilities that would have uh, a worse a worse experience Well, we'll see how everything does unfold. We appreciate your thoughts on this, Dr. Srivastava, and all of your work. I know that there will be more information coming out in the next while, and there'll be a lot of papers written on this. Thanks for keeping track of all of it for us.
Well, thank you, Mike, for continuing on this because my biggest fear, and I'll end with that, is that uh, because the data are no longer being published, because we're, you know, opening up society, and, and which, you know, might, might be the right thing to do, but the issue really is it does not negate what happens. And we really have to be very clear that we need a recovery plan, that Ontario is an outlier in terms of the amount of school closures we've seen. That doesn't change just because the children are in school. They still incurred the highest level of disruption in Canada and amongst the highest in North America. That doesn't just disappear. Right. Very good point. And so let's look to the education minister and see what happens right now. He's... He's being pretty quiet. Dr. Srivastava, keep safe. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, and keep at it. I really appreciate this. Thank you. That is Dr. Prachi Srivastava, Associate Professor at Western University, specializing in education and global development and keeping tabs on how things are working everywhere. And look at what she said right at the end. Ontario is an outlier, so it is up to us to realize, okay, with the number of days lost, with the amount of disruption there has been, especially for those younger learners, what do we do and what will be done? 